Welcome to Pick a Little, Talk a Little. It's a podcast where we talk about musical theater because it's a musical theater podcast. I, as always, am your host, Gabriella Gazelowitz. Who's here today? This is Ariel Shear because there are more than one Ariels. That's true, but you're the Ariel Shear who covers Stephen Schwartz. Have I really been the only one that's covered Stephen Schwartz? I don't know. How many Stephen Schwartz musicals have we done? This is probably actually the second. <laughs> this might be the second, yeah. And okay. what is it? It is Godspell. It's Godspell. Get it? Godspell? Because it sounds like gospel. Apparently it has to do actually with the etymology of the word. We're not getting into that. But what we are getting into is this show. Here's the thing. This show is, shall we say, thin in terms of plot. Yeah. I mean, it's about Jesus. It is about Jesus, <laughs> which is why I'm so excited. Um, <laughs> we're both Jewish whatever so first we're gonna say what the heck the show is then we're gonna say our relationship to the show before we do any of that ariel what am i wearing oh you're not wearing your suspenders but you are wearing your superman t-shirt well the reason i'm not wearing the suspenders is i accidentally wore this t-shirt today i've been wearing this superman t-shirt all day and a few hours ago i was like oh we're doing the Godspell episode today because Jesus wears a Superman t-shirt. And in fact, one time for Purim, I dressed up as Jesus from Godspell costume. because that is the kind of Jew I am. Um, so the musical is interesting because similar to how Pippin was Stephen Schwartz's Carnegie Mellon senior thesis, Godspell was the senior thesis of Carnegie Mellon student John Michael Tebelak. If you haven't heard, I mean, there's a lot of reason, reasons you might not have heard of him, but one of them is because so he created the show when he was 21. He died of a heart attack when he was 35. Oh, man. So he lived to see the show successful, but he didn't live to do all that much else. So the show was originally this senior thesis, and then they brought in Stephen Schwartz to write in all the music except for one song. And... Even though the lyrics are by Stephen Schwartz, a lot of it is him just rewriting Episcopal hymns and Bible stuff. But even though the thing is largely found text, music Stephen Schwartz, lyrics Stephen Schwartz, book John Michael Tebelak. Basis, Gospel of St. Matthew, with a little bit of Luke thrown in. And it... <laughs> was one of those shows that was known as an off-Broadway show originally. It was off-Broadway in 1971. And then it was finally on Broadway in 1976. And it's been on Broadway multiple timeios. Step back, Ariel, you've worked on this show. Yes. Um, so I worked as a uh, set builder for a community theater called After Work Theater. Um, and I helped build basically all the sets, little bit helped like design. And then I also ran Spotlight for all of the performances. So I am very familiar with this show. <laughs> Gabby, what is your experience with it? Um, I'm obsessed with this show. Um, really? It is one of my two favorite Jesus musicals. I am going to avoid comparing it to Jesus Christ Superstar too much, except that you could not create 
two more different musicals about the same thing. So I love the show. <laughs> the one time I've seen it live was we had a mutual friend in high school who was in a production in her church basement. Oh, right. And I forgot about that. So here's the thing. <laughs> Some Jewish people do not enter churches. And one of the less common uh, rationales is because the history of forced baptism of Jews. And I don't subscribe to that, and I'm comfortable entering a church. And in the opening number, John the Baptist came out and started squirting audience members with a water gun. And in my head, I was like, my God, I go to a church <laughs> and I get forced baptized. It was, I was just like, really? I will wrap up with the personal thing. I would watch the movie like on a loop um, in the background when I was working in a Jewish newspaper. Um, and the night before my wedding, you and our producer, Rachel, were over and, and yes. it calmed me down the night before my wedding. And I, I will try to explain why I love this show because there's, uh, it's, it's a show that's light. It's not the most sophisticated or arguably interesting show but there's like a very strong emotional appeal to me. But also it's I, fun. But also like I really like the Jesus narrative. What make what makes this show go is Jesus's connection with his disciples and there's something very emotionally resonant to me. Um, well, we'll get into that when we start talking about some of the songs about how they express that connection. Right. So the basic format of the show is Jesus shows up, he assembles his team, they put on a series of performances that relate to these biblical parables, and then he dies. So there's a little bit of plot at the beginning and a little bit of plot at the end, and they assume you know the Jesus story and you'll fill in the blanks. And then there's a lot of like metaphor and artsy stuff and a lot of things that are very subject to directorial decision well the parables kind of run through them yeah we're not going to describe every single parable go read a bible so the first number in the show there's usually sometimes like an opening monologue that's being like hey god is great um the prologue is also known as tower of babel which is the ensemble coming out and singing uh, representations of different philosophic viewpoints throughout history. Yeah. And I, I like this song. I do too. But yeah, we've got uh, Socrates. Um, we've got Thomas, Thomas Aquinas. Aquinas. Uh, Galileo. We got Galileo. We got Hegel. We got yeah. L. Ron friggin' Hubbard. We got Jean-Paul Sartre. Listen, I'd be lying if I said I fully understood the point of this song, other than to be like... I think I get it. This show is pretentious. I love this show, but, like, the libretto that we both read in preparation for this is just pepper with little things where it's like, if you're directing it this way, you're missing the point, and ugh, they're not flower children, they're clowns, and it's a metaphor. Like, it's... I have some more to say on this. Oh, okay. Um So... What I think is happening in this song is that it's setting up the show and setting up the conflict that, like, all of these people who don't necessarily believe in God or believe in things other than God and how 
they're at all at odds with each other that that is a feeling to the song and that's something i'm not this song always kinds of feels very out of place for me i love the song but it doesn't really fit in with the rest of the show no it was cut from the movie so you remember how i was explaining that this is a very jewish musical here is example number one uh we have a shofar Yes, John the Baptist blows the shofar to announce the coming of Jesus. So the cast of this show, size and and what that cast looks like is flexible, but everyone generally has the same character names as the actor's first name because it's like all of us could be the disciples. And then there's Jesus, and then there is a person whose character is John the Baptist at the beginning and Judas at the end. He's really only John the Baptist for this song. He becomes Judas right after. Yeah, um, so, like, and I also don't want to talk too much about the movie, but this number is, what it does in the movie, which I really like, is it plucks people out of their mundane, struggling New York lives. That is, and yeah. it, and it, and it, and it, and everyone else in the city disappears and suddenly it's just them. Anyway, it's neat. So the song is Prepare the. so I will also say, uh, this is maybe some of Stephen Schwartz's best work. Um, and not because I think, oh, he peaked early, but because the tone of the songs works really well with the tone of the bare bones book. That, okay. that all the things we're communicating where it's like, oh, this group of people coming together and having a good time and then saying goodbye. The music really carries that through. Um, also, so in Prepare Ye, everybody gets baptized. I was watching the movie for the first time with my dad and, uh... John the Baptist is uh, is saying like oh like I baptize you with water for repentance and my dad says the next line and I looked at my dad and I was like have you seen this movie before and he goes no but I read the book <laughs> um I love the song prepare ye it's one of my favorite songs in the really? show my understanding and I could be wrong is that some of these songs or or these traditional hymnals put to new melodies are sung in certain like progressive church settings do you not like it the melody is it's interesting but like having seen this show i don't know 20 times in like a span of two weeks this song gets real old real fast and the song is repetitive that it's just yes prepare ye the way of the lord yep but it's so jubilant and it just conveys this natural excitement that is so enticing and everyone gets baptized including jesus because that is an important part of the jesus narrative so now that jesus is baptized he gets to sing one of my other favorite songs are all of these songs literally your favorite songs? no but these two both are okay save the people might be my favorite song in the show why is it your favorite? Unlike Prepare Ye the Way of the Lord, which is just sort of this declaration over and over again, this is more of a straightforward, like, hymn prayer. And we get to meet Jesus as a character, and he's communicating with God throughout the song. And he's talking about the value of human beings. And then now that everyone has been through this baptism experience together, they're all together now and celebrating that in a different way. So it was going from one high point to another. Okay, I really like this song also. Okay, good. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was just like, I wanted to know what your feelings on it were. All really convoluted psychological reasons. 
this was one of the songs that I was always looking forward to during the production. It kind of just brought me into the feeling of the show, which is really about community and community building. So like this, this song really sets that up. Right. Yes, for sure. So at the end of this song, an important thing happens. Jesus, who is visually represented sort of like a clown, not in a scary way, but in a a way that's sort of absurd, he visually marks each of the individual ensemble members. I don't even know if you could call them ensemble because it's an ensemble piece. And he marks them each in a unique way. Traditionally, it's with face paint and different symbols on the face, but it can be done with giving them some sort of totem that they will incorporate into their costume. The, the production that I was a part of, um, there were more people in the show than there were parts. So everyone in the show got marked the same way. They all got these um, kind of uh, buttons, like pins to put on. He passed out the first few buttons and then they passed a bag around. Oh. Which well, was like... So so not not to uh, tell you that your production was bad. I do want to read the note in the libretto. While it's not necessary to follow its direction literally, it is important that at Jesus' instigation all don some sort of symbol that show they have separated themselves from society and they are members of a tribe following this particular leader. Well, let's see. We have parables. There's one with like a widow and a judge. And yep. there's one with tax gatherers, and there's one with, like, a story of a master and a servant. So something else the libretto says, Speaking of clowns, there are often misconceptions about the concept of the clown analogy in Godspell. For instance, sometimes it is mis- misunderstood as the cast being hippies or flower children. Even when a game or parable is initiated by another member of the troop, there should be a clear sense that it is done for and with the master's approval. So there, you need a very delicate balance with Jesus and the way he's personified, and I think Victor Garber in the movie is the best one ever. Anyway, so the parables are acted out in ways that are that feels like people improving and putting on a little play. The characters don't always know where it's going, but Jesus always does. The message is generally some variation of... There's no point in thinking that you're better than other people when what you have to do is humble yourself before everyone else and be kind to everyone and forget worldly possessions as markers of a person's inherent value. And then there's stuff about like getting into heaven, which is neato. So the next song is another song that I love. Yes. Day by day. By day by day. By day by day by day by day. This is another song that's simple and repetitive, but like... I like this one better than Prepare Ye. Uh, I don't know which I like better. I think I like Prepare Ye better. Day by Day is a very simple, pretty song about a relationship with God. And also we should note that more or less, and I'm sure obviously in your production this was different, one or two members of the ensemble each take a song so that everyone has had time to have their moment in the spotlight and interacting with Jesus and to go through their own uh, narrative arc. Yes, um, that was actually very true in this production. Mostly it was everyone created their own character. Each of the cast members were charged with coming up with an idea for their character. Like it just, it informed everything. Day by Day is the first 
song that one of the disciples kind of sings yeah for jesus um well kind of like to and for him to kind of show their devotion to him yeah to show that they're internalizing the message that he's giving them yeah um and throughout the songs they develop a kind of a physical manifestation of their relationship like a hand gesture that that plays a part later in the show but Angie's like repeats it back to them kind of so it becomes this kind of own little language between the two people forming that relationship yeah we get more parables we get the story of Lazarus we get the good Samaritan and then we get the song learn your lessons well which why was that cut from the movie that's a lovely song I also like Learn the Lessons Well because it's arguably a little bit more Jewish. The point of Judaism is you have to constantly engage with your text. And the show is like, not just like love other people, but learn your lessons well is like... Learning every line and every last commandment may not help you, but it couldn't hurt. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And oh, and the next song is another song. I know, I don't love all the songs, but the next song is Bless the Lord, which is another song I love. The characters in this show just love the world around them. They're they're exploring a world that is plagued with injustice and hypocrisy, but most of the songs are them appreciating the good things and celebrating what they have. And Bless the Lord is a very direct, literal example of this. Even though all of these songs are taken from hymns, this kind of fits into the very traditional sound of a gospel song oh bless the lord my soul but the melody does not feel so traditional to me it does he healeth thine infirmities and ransoms thee from death do you want to go over the one funny joke in the show is that the telephone joke no that's the feet joke jesus says that he can read feet like some people can read palms he can read feet and he looks at the guy at the bottom of a guy's shoe and he goes, it says rejoice. And the guy goes, it says Reebok. When you feel Some men sad are born to live in East doing what they please, curse. rich in the bees are Your life honey. is bad. Never growing Your old, never feeling old. Your prospects are worse. From Your wife air. is ah, the sighing. You're faster than me. <laughs> they can't take it with them, so what do they care? They get the center of the meat, cushions of their feet, houses on the street where it's sunny. Summer's at the seat, winter's warm and feet free. All of a sudden, I give get up. the rest. It's all for the best. I messed up like ten times. It's fine. Anyway, um... <laughs> <laughs> I like this song because it's an interesting um, duet with Jesus and Judas. So I also want to actually read what they suggest for Judas's characterization. Like Jesus, he is also charismatic, but in more of an overt revolutionary way, usually played by someone handsome and masculine with an undertone of sexuality. He's the most serious and intellectual of the group. But, uh, but this song is interesting because, like I said, this show is mostly people engaging in a positive way. And even though this song, the point of the song is, um, you know, there's a greater reward out of this life and rich people don't actually have it better. But Jesus and Judas, the way, the way they act at each other is playful, but there's sort of this undercurrent of a, almost a little bit of conflict. Yeah, there's some, especially when they're like, talking over each other it, it kind of reinforces that tension between them yeah and judas respects jesus and and is part of the group but that judas is also sort of 
there, he's literally in counterpoint to Jesus here because there needs to be something about Judas that sets him apart a little bit that's going to lead to, spoiler alert, his betrayal of Jesus. Um, after watching it so many times, I, I started to feel that like Judas was almost running the show and Jesus was kind of along for the ride. Like He knew what was happening. He knew what was going on. But Judas was kind of kind of forcing everyone's hand. Well, Judas is doing the heavy lifting. Judas is the one who blows the shofar because he's also John the Baptist and actually gets people together. Judas is the realist. Also, a little fun fun thing that I want to add. Um, I just looked at like my light notes in the script. Jesus sings his verse of this song first. And then I have in my notes, Jesus throws the spot to Judas. Spot is in spotlight. Once Judas says his part, then the conflict starts. He gets it. He knows where I'm going with this. And Judas started, kind of goes off on his own. And he's like, wait a second. Yeah. But it's it's very subtle because everything is so lighthearted. Yeah. I agree. The next song is a song that I like but am not like obsessed with. Okay. Um, all good gifts. All good gifts. It's a sweet song that once again, similar to Bless the Lord, is just a very thankful song to God. It's about plowing the fields. And stuff. And scattering stuff. that good seed on the land. Yep. Spreading the message. I'm mad about this song also. The words aren't very interesting. The melody's not very interesting. There, There's not much to it. We get the parable of the prodigal son next. That's a big one. He leaves and then he comes back. It's a big deal. Yep, they throw a party. And generally, if you're going to do an intermission or whatever, this is about to be finale act one. There's absolutely no dramatic tension to it. It's the song Light of the World. It has some weird rhymes, like rhyming bushel with crucial. Yep. Hill and well. Yeah. <laughs> There's just not a lot of good rhymes in this. So here's a thing that could make it arguably uh, more of a finale act one number is it's more of an ensemble number. Some intermission intermissions will have a uh, mass. So yeah, top of act two. So we have Turn Back Oh Man and I feel like it's supposed to be a showstopper and also it's like the obligatory sexy number, which is actually kind of uncomfortable because Jesus is generally played very asexually and like what but um i will say before we go into anything else about the song the original uh off-broadway cast uh the singer of the song was sonia Monsano, who you guys might know as maria on sesame street i like the song um i like the song too the show that i was a part of made it definitely played up the sexuality in it um this part was actually split um between a woman and a man so a woman sang the first verse a man sang the second verse are they trying to tell us that it's like okay to be sexy in jesus's eyes like it's sexy but like in a way that's as playful and make-believe as any of the other songs it's a little bit weird and also in the middle of the song there's a dip where jesus sings a sad little verse about I don't know, like, the coming of the Messiah, which, I mean, you know, is him, according to the show. Earth shall be fair and all her people one. Not till that hour will God's whole will be done. Yeah. Okay. Right? I don't don't, know. 
I don't know, man. We're too Jewy for this stuff. Actually, brief mini history lesson. Um, for those of you who haven't seen Life of Brian, in the, in the New Testament, so not explicitly in this show, but where the show is taking it from, where Jesus was living was Roman-occupied Judea, and there were a lot of different sects running around, each having their own ideas. And, for example, there were the priests who were the traditional religious order, though they had were under some influence from the Roman government. And there were the Pharisees, which were a group of sort of lay-led religious educator leaders. Jesus doesn't quite fit into that box. But regardless, um, a lot of Jewish people, while the truth is very complicated, a lot of contemporary Jews identify the Pharisees as the beginning of a transition from priest-led Judaism to rabbinic Judaism as we have it today. Whereas in some Christian interpretations of the story, the priests and or the Pharisees are the bad guys who see Jesus as a rabble-rouser who is ruining their hold on religious order. Um, that I find anti-Semitic. So as Jewish and nice as this show is, it still uses the Pharisees as a stand-in to represent institutional oppression which i think is a bummer um but the neat thing is you have a cool pharisee monster that can be like a big scary puppet thing to represent the pharisees so that's cool (laughs) so jesus gets into an argument with the pharisees and he sings alas for you which is an okay song which is interesting because it's a turning point so it's it's a little bit surprising because nothing has happened in this entire show and all of a sudden the thing is happening but roll with it in Alas for You, Jesus gets angry. This whole time he's been preaching love, no to hypocrisy. And now he's faced directly with what he regards as hypocrisy. And he gets angry in the song Alas for You, which is an okay song. And he But gets he's been despondent. very even-tempered up until now. So it's kind of a little bit of a shock to see him get this angry this quickly. Yeah, and then and then become despondent. And then he, like, talks about prophecies. Then he's like, oh, yeah, poor Jerusalem. Anyway, we now (laughs) come to a really, really good song. Here's the thing about By My Side. By My Side is the only song in the musical not written by Stephen Schwartz, left over from from before he came in. That might be why it doesn't really fit in. A little bit. What do you mean? I don't know. The m- m- melody's different. It's sure. It's very it's a different so, so, style. So it was written by this guy Jay Hamburger and Peggy Gordon. Peggy Gordon, who was a Carnegie Mellon student, was also the original singer of this song. She was in the cast. I think the song is beautiful, even if the lyrics are kind of confusing. Why are you calling a pebble dare, and why are you putting it in your, in your shoe? shoe? And also, fun fact, in the last Broadway revival, this song was sung by Uzo Aduba, as in Suzanne from Orange is the New Black. I did know that. I Um, I see her name all over my script. Oh, yeah, (laughs) because the script uses the Broadway revival actors as the character names. Yes. Um, I think this is another song that I think is lovely. That's this moment, uh, you know, Jesus is coming down from this bout of anger. I mean, then there's a mini parable in between. But that things have taken a, a more serious shift in that it's this moment of rather than 
joyful connection of earnestness, of devotion, of just let me walk with you as this attraction between two people, but it's not just two people because it has this larger meaning. It fits very well into the show. It's clearly what he needs at the time is the person that sings the song just kind of calms him and I'll be there if you need me, but... Oh, by the way, you want some plot? You got some plot. In the middle of the song, Judas is like, oh, by the way, I'm Judas Iscariot, and I uh, went to the priest, and I got 30 pieces of silver, and now I'm looking up for an opportunity to betray Jesus. Except he says it third person past tense. It's tonally a good moment to do it, even though they haven't really done anything to explain why it's happening. Other than that, Jesus keeps being like, things have to happen, um, as we will get to. Yeah. And then there's more parables. Sheep go to heaven, goats go to hell. Oh my God. The sheep and the goats. The song by Cake is referencing the same parable that this is. But anyway, there's a song, uh, We Beseech Thee, which I is- I really like We Beseech Thee. It's a cute song. I really like it. It's the show that I worked on. They did something very good with um, running- we beseech thee straight into the next song um which i felt like really became a powerful moment in the in the show the last song was very kind of mellow and and you found out that judas is going to be betray jesus and like all of this stuff heavy stuff just kind of just happened and then this song is like back up tempo is that necessary? Shouldn't we keep following? Like, now that we have a, a narrative thread and a tonal shift, shouldn't we keep following it? I, I think it be it creates a powerful moment when the tone shifts again. All right. Well, it is a cute song. It's about how God will save people who ask for it. Yeah. Yep. So we are going into the next song, which I love. Um. So this is the song that... We Beseech Thee ran straight into Beautiful City. Beautiful not- City was written for the film. Was it? Yes. Yeah, so okay. it was not in the original version. Okay. But I, I think it's great. It is great. So the director that I was working with, he made it very clear to the actors that they were not to pause at the end of We Beseech Thee. Even if the audience started clapping they were to run straight into Beautiful City. And they were able to get the um, band to have that first note of Beautiful City be loud enough that it would silence any audience clapping. Right, so before before Beautiful City was written and in productions where they don't use it, instead it's a day-by-day reprise, but I think that this is better. Um, I think it's a good counterpoint to God Save the People, people saving ourselves. Yeah, I, th- I think that this kind of reinforces the community building theme in the show is that like we we can survive this which is interesting because this is a song where jesus is it's it's marking where jesus is going to removing the visual indicators of people being part of his tribe be it like you know pins or face makeup or whatever it is um the script notes say this is because they've succeeded in internalizing the message and that they don't need them as a sign of community I always sort of saw it as the beginning of the end, especially with the poignancy of the song, of 
Jesus slowly getting ready to leave them. Because he also, because in, in productions that have are small enough for him to have an individual moment, he has this individual moment with each cast member and will do the, you know, gesture or, or reference to what the moment they shared earlier in the show. Yeah. Um, this is very much his way of saying goodbye to everybody. But the thing is, Jesus knows he's leaving. At this point, nobody else knows he's leaving yet. Right. Um. Well, we're up to The Last Supper, which, so another reason this is the most Jewish musical ever is because Jesus says the Jewish prayers. He says Kiddush and Motzi in Hebrew over the wine and the bread. We needed to coach one of the actors on on the pronunciation. I can only just, my skin just ripples thinking of all the productions (laughs) that must have had atrocious pronunciation. So it's The Last Supper, so Jesus is like, hey, this is my blood. This is my body. One of you is going to betray me. And then they're like, what? And Judas is like, can you mean me? But he calls him rabbi, which is a very liberal Christian, like, Jesus was a really smart rabbi, look how Jewish we are type of thing. Um, Jesus tells Judas that Judas is going to betray him and says, go quickly, do what you have to do. So once again, this show has no actual content, but everything it's very expressionist and everything is about tone wait we didn't talk about on the willows oh shoot yeah sorry sorry that happens in the middle of on the willows oh yeah yeah so this is happening during the song on the willows which is an english translation of on the rivers of babylon um oh i didn't know that it's a it's a traditional song um and it's a sort of mourning song of literally what it is about is the jewish people in exile and so judas sings this song and he sing this sings it with the band which is kind of this omni floating voice it becomes kind of a very eerie sounding and and i really felt that this was kind of judas's like he needed he needs to accept what he's about to do He's kind of questioning. And then the show very quickly runs through all the things that happen. Everyone falls asleep. Jesus is praying in Gethsemane. And he's like, hey, God, do I have to do this? And he's like, yeah, I have to do this. And then Satan's like, oh, hey, Jesus. And Jesus is like, nope. And then Judas is back. And they do the little uh, kiss thing. And Jesus is like, Judas, you got to do what you got to do. And I'm like, why? Wait, what? What's going on? It's fine. Don't think about it. The thing is, he calls him friend. He says, friend, do quickly what you have to do. Yeah. Judas starts crucifying Jesus. And Jesus won't let the apostles help. At least in the movie, there's something very compelling where uh, Jesus just sort sort of starts you know, he's been sharing wisdom all this time and it just starts coming out of him very quickly and it seems like such an empty gesture in the light of actual violence and this whole time his disciples have been talking about their devotion to him and now, you know, they're they're sort of rendered powerless and he becomes the absurd clown figure that he's been visually appearing as throughout the show 
is that all is that he's the butt of the joke if you will and in the movie judas sort of darkly sings like da 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 but in like a sort of like frenzied sad way it's totally weird this musical is so weird um but i actually think it makes for a very very compelling crucifixion once again in the movie tied to an electric fence is kind of what happens but in that cross position which is important um the show that i worked on it was set in a new york city subway station third rail um no on top of the platform um with the cross beam oh so uh in terms of once again i won't talk about she's career superstar um too much but in terms of this show of how jesus is approaching facing his own death is the last thing that jesus says sort of normally is that this had to happen to fulfill the prophecy which we're all like oh yeah the christian take on jewish prophets is that jesus is the messiah and that all this was going to happen um and then we go into the finale um so it, it 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 takes it two modes as we go from jesus being resigned to and accepting his fate to being a human being who is being tortured to death yeah. and he sings and the oh god i'm dying and everyone goes oh god you're dying oh god i'm dead oh god you're dead of course if you can say i'm dead are you really dead anyway but in there's obviously the sort of pun there which is a little on the nose but i do find very affecting which is oh god is an expression of horror and then to them when they say oh god you're bleeding they're saying like you are god incarnate and this is happening to you when jesus says the the line himself first he's referring to his god because he doesn't see himself as a god i think this is where you and i are a little bit removed and not quite getting it because we're like so is jesus god or isn't he and then they're like he is the thing is in this show i think it's ambiguous at this point um because he does have this very human reaction yeah yeah because there's there's sort of nice that there's an innocence to jesus as a character that can almost be naivete uh jesus's death is kind of rocking it's like and so then it's interesting that the very next thing that happens is this very quiet melodic singing i love this that it starts with um gradually starting with one person and then more and more people and first what they're singing is long live god which is interesting because god just died but also they're saying but also like the way they are singing it and what they are singing they are expressing okay this dude just died but the force of god in the universe is still there and the messages that we just got from this representation of god however you want to interpret it are still there the finale is beautiful it and is. melodic i suggest everybody listen to it right so generally uh there's two or three different groups singing there's long live god long live god and there's prepare ye again and in some versions another god save, save the, the people, people back in there also um i'm gonna go back to the author's note at the beginning real quick um where they talk about, so something else that this musical has in common with Jesus Christ Superstar is that they usually don't go through to the resurrection. Um, 
so authors note in the libretto, over the years, there's been a comment from some about the lack of an apparent resurrection in the show. Some choose to view the curtain call in which Jesus appears a symbol of resurrection. Others point to the moment where the cast raised Jesus above their heads. Also, there are there have definitely been productions where it's a magic trick and then Jesus reappears, which I think undercuts the whole thing. Um, While either view is valid, both missed the point. Godspell is about the formation of a community which carries on Jesus' teachings after he's gone. It is the effect Jesus has on the others, which is the story of the show, not whether or not he himself is resurrected. That is such a liberal Christian thing to say. Therefore, it is very important at the end of the show that it be clear that the others have come through the violence and pain of the crucifixion sequence and leave with a joyful determination to carry on the ideas and feelings they have learned. Uh, to me, that's a little bit almost creepy. I don't know if this is a religious problem or a psychological one. But the, but the ending really does sell it. The finale just sounds so beautiful. I would actually suggest listening to the revival version of the finale rather than the original cast because um, you get more well, harmony in it. I don't, I don't really like the revival cast recording. It's like too experimental. For and this specific song, I really think the revival one. I like having prepare ye that it ties it back to the beginning that they're essentially going to the audience and being like, now we prepare ye all the way of the Lord. Um, yeah, that's Godspell. Um, this show was only nominated for one Tony when it originally came out. Uh, guess who was nominated? Stephen Schwartz. Stephen Schwartz was nominated for for his songwriting. And since it's Stephen Schwartz, what do you think happened? He did not win. He did not win because Stephen Schwartz has no Tonys. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Uh, I had a problem with lyrics because the lyrics are not conventional musical theater lyrics and they don't sort of follow the same rules. I had the same problem. What, what least favorite lyric did you go with? Oh, least favorite? Um, um, there's a lot of very simple lyrics in here, but none kind of really stick out as inherently bad. To me, at least. So you are going to opt out? Yes. Um, I cheated, and because I had a similar thing, I just went for the line that personified my issue with the show's relationship to a historical aspect of Judaism that I have a very different relationship with. So it was, alas, alas for you, lawyers and Pharisees, hypocrites that you are, sure that the kingdom of the heaven awaits you, you will not venture half so far. It's not an anti-Semitic show. As I said, it's a very Jewish show, but like, mm. <laughs> what did you pick for favorite lyric? So for favorite lyric, I actually picked something from Tower of Babel. Um, a lot of clever lyrics in there. I really like, um, I kind of like this whole verse. Can I use a whole verse? Only if you say it very quick. Okay. God endows us with sense and intellect. God endows us with reason we neglect. And despite the abolition of the current inquisition of any intuition that they don't choose, when it comes to God, I find I can't believe that he designed a human being with a mind he's not supposed to use. Yeah, saying it, Galileo Galilei. Um, I actually went with by my side. So I went with a non-Stephen Schwartz lyric. Sorry, Stephen Schwartz. Um, it's far beyond where the horizon lies. Where the horizon lies and the land sinks into mellow blueness. Oh, please take me with you. It's just, it's very poetic and sensory. And it really communicates some of my favorite things about the song and about the show. Which is this both calm and impassioned 
a desire for connection with this loving authoritarian figure in a way that's very uh kind i like the idea that we can like the people who are in charge (laughs) okay you know and it's a a rough time and that's why i really like jesus in this show because he's a great person to follow if it's done right you want to be one of the people in his posse it's actually interesting. Like, I was really trying to pick something not from Tower of Babel for my favorite lyric, and I couldn't find anything else. So, yeah, Tower of Babel's the only song with lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ariel, it's late at night. Oh, anywhere on social media you want us to find me? Nope. Thy okay, children's cool. Humbly at thy feet we fall. Prodigals confessing all. Thanks for listening to Pick a Little Talk a Little. We're online at paltalpodcast.weebly.com. We're on Facebook at Pick a Little Talk a Little and Twitter at Paltal Podcast. As always, we are edited and produced by the incomparable Rachel Jacobs. She's at Twitter as WTFRJK. I am your host, Gabriella Gazelowitz. You can find me on Twitter, Gabby Gazelowitz. G-A-B-Y-G-E-S-E-L-O-W-I-T-Z. Easy. Please rate us and review us. It really would mean a lot. Email us, paltelpodcast at gmail.com if you want to say hi. All right, thanks. And until next time. And as they say in Phantom of the Opera, no more memories, no more silent tears, no more gazing across the wasted years. Help me say goodbye. We made free, stained, we pray for sanctity. We beseech thee, hear us. Um, and if anyone watches the TV show Harvey Birdman, there was an episode with a really good parody of this that my brother and I sing all the time. Now Phil will save the law firm, our Phil who's back from the dead. The law firm, Phil, the law firm. Anyway, it's, it's great.